Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Well, it's March 27th. I'm stuck up at the ranch. And as long as I'm stuck up here for this COVID virus thing, I've been reaching out to people and saying, hey, let's do a podcast. And I've got a couple in the can. And this one's not going to be released for probably three or four weeks. But just so you have some perspective, we are recording this on March 27th. For my guest this week, I have an old friend (laughs) that originally came on the podcast on August 31st, 2015, and it's uh, <laughs> it's Jeff Wittig, and uh, originally his podcast was Sailing the Breeze Sailing Pod, Shooting the Breeze Sailing Podcast, and now it's, um, what is it now? Hold on here a second. Well, it's, it's still the Shooting the Breeze Sailing Podcast. You can just find it at theescapepods.com. That's it. It's That's the Escape Pods. All right. But... Jeff, before we get to you, I got to thank my sponsor, Sailrite. So hold on a second. Sure. Thank them for me, too, will you? All right. For over 50 years, Sailrite has been your authority in all things marine DIY. Do it yourself. What started as a mail order correspondence course on sailmaking has grown into one of the largest online and catalog retailers for the marine industry. Sailrite stocks everything you need to sew for your boat. They are the only company that makes one design and custom sail kits. As a passionate group of DIYers, Sailrite's dedication to self-reliance at sea is proven in their products and services. Sailrite sells fabric, foam, supplies, and more, including the legendary portable and powerful Ultrafeed sewing machine. So you can be self-reliant and save money by sewing your own projects, from biminis to dodgers, sacrificial sail covers and sail bags, to interior and exterior seating and cushions. Sailrite brings you the best brands in the industry for unmatched product quality and professional-looking DIY results. With over 50 years of bringing you quality products, unparalleled service and support, and free how-to videos, Sailrite is a name you can trust. You know, when I recorded that uh, that ad, I had a bit of a cold. I should really re-record that because I think I sound terrible. But hey, you uh, you went to the Annapolis. Okay, our guest is uh, Jeff Wittig. Of uh, yep. he's you've got a couple podcasts: Shooting the Breeze Sailing Podcast and the Hoot Nanny Down the Hall Music Podcast. And I saw your YouTube channel, and it was a bunch of um, a bunch of videos of. Um, are you in a band? Do you are you do you play? I. I do play, but I was kind of always on the sideline. My dad was in a band in the 80s, uh, like a kind of a new wave band, early, early 80s, and then kind of up through the mid 80s. And uh, when I was in college, I was managing a band. So I was always kind of the guy that's hanging around. So I can play a bunch of chords. <laughs> I don't know that I can string them all together into a song. But if people are jamming around the fire pit or whatever, I can usually kind of try and keep up with basic chord changes and things. Uh, but I do post uh, a lot of my dad's videos from their band. They still play once or twice a year. And I just whatever I get into, which isn't a lot lately, but, you know, I spent my early, well, all of my 20s basically following bands around uh, the local scene up here between Baltimore and, and Philly. And uh, so I'm 
every time I do get a chance to go out and see live music, I try and try and do it. And then if I'm in a good spot to uh, take a video, I'll post it up on the, on the old YouTubes. Do you have much problem with copyright? Cause I know whenever I put any music up there in a video, I always get this notice of somebody claiming the copyright to it. And I said, eh, okay, whatever. I, the only one I did have an issue with uh, was one of my sailing videos. I did a, like a 25 minute long video of uh, the sippy cup race we ran in 2018, which is an overnight race uh, from the top of the bay down to Annapolis. And I didn't really know what to do with it. I just had all this kind of footage and I jumbled it together and put it to music. And I tried to find kind of sailing related or music that kind of fit the, the vibe of what we were doing. And one of those songs tripped off, all kinds of alarm bells and said, Oh, you can't post this. You can't post that. And it was like, Oh man. Uh, so I've had, uh, just a little bit of experience with that. I just had to change the song and, and then I was good to go. Uh, I guess it just depends on who, uh, who the copyright owner is and how vigilant or diligent they are with tracking people down <laughs> using their music uh, on the podcast. And that's one of the reasons the music podcast I did, was kind of short-lived i only did about 10 or 11 episodes of it and i think the last one i did was actually an air shift i did at my college radio station uh, millersville university they do a charity thing every year to drum up funds for their program where they bring in the old alumni djs in to do a two-hour show and i just took that audio and put it up as a podcast and then after the fact i'm like oh man like all of that music is copywritten <laughs> <laughs> and I have zero permission to do it. Uh, so I've left it up there. I haven't had any issues, but music for my podcast, the sailing, uh, shooting the breeze sailing podcast. Uh, after I think episode 40 something, I started using all copyright, uh, good music, uh, that I have permission to use from either the artist or it's music that I generated or friends of mine generated, or I've actually gone out and gotten permission from one or two record labels to say, hey, can I play part of this? And they want you to do like a 30-second snippet of the song. They don't really want you to use the whole thing. So uh, there are websites out there for people that are doing YouTube videos that's all uh, you can, as long as you attribute the artist and where the website is, uh, you can use that music. But, yeah, you got to be careful. Uh, you don't know who's going to be, uh, who's got the lawyers to come after you. <laughs> Have you been watching any of the uh, the videos by Tally Ho, Samson Boat Company? Any of those where uh, they're rebuilding I, that boat? I'm familiar with it, and I think I've watched one or two over the years, but I have not kept current with it. Um, but I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm an, I'm an addict. He comes out with a new episode about every two weeks. It shows the progress that he's made on rebuilding this old 100-year-old boat, which is similar right. to my boat. I mean, it's a similar design. And uh, he has some such great music in there. I mean, he does such a great job with his music that uh, I always look at mm -hmm. who, who he's attributing it to. But he does a great job with the music as a general rule in his, uh, right, his right, YouTube right. videos. And but, I, I've seen both where, I, I mean, I, I know um, some will just use like cover versions of established songs. And I'm like, yeah, that's not really <laughs> legal necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he attribute he gives attribution at the end of the, his videos, so he has a, a you know credits run at the end. So I think he's getting it and giving attribution. And I actually go and look for some of the songs every now and then because he, right, he does right. such a great job of it. But anyway, that's something oh, you should put on your list of YouTube videos to watch if you like see 
people build boats. That's that's a fun one to do. Well, I think you interviewed them, right? I think I, I got turned on to that through you and then just kind of lost track of it after. Yep, that was Leo, and he was on the podcast Very a while back. After. Yeah. You know, you were back here. I mean, you yeah, were yeah. one of my original 60, you were episode number 68 back in 2015. So it's been almost five wow. years since we've talked. And you, right. had, you had just started your podcast back then, and you're still going. Tell yep. me, tell me what, um, what's new at the escapepods.com and your podcast. Uh, basically, I just been, uh, like originally when I first started, I was trying to just do uh, local stuff to our yacht club, like stories on the porch, that kind of thing. And probably right before you and I talked is when I first kind of branched out into uh, not maybe celebrities, but <laughs> you know, like I interviewed Lynn Pardee at the uh, Annapolis boat show and uh, was talking to like Andy shell. And then I ended up talking to you and kind of some of the other podcasters and I, you know, I keep that up. Um, but it's basically whatever I come across, uh, so every year I'm trying to do like the boat show thing in October. So that gets me a couple episodes. And then through that, I end up meeting people or hearing about people. And so I've, I've done, a think, a fair mix of, you know, everything from YouTube stars, I guess, <laughs> uh, to people that just sail on the bay here in between with some marine professionals and, and salespeople. I've actually gotten a handful of requests from uh, basically like media companies and public publicists who want me to interview their clients, which kind of was heady when it first happened. I'm like, you really want me to <laughs> interview your client in, in business sailing business. So I've done a few of them. So scratch all that together. It comes up to what I'm, I think I'm up to episode 120, 122 on like your that. website. I'm looking at your website, 122 on I think this will be for me episode two thirteen or two fourteen. So, you know, wow, I, yeah. I try to get one out about. I, yeah, I, last year I tried to get one out every week. It turned out right. to be just too darn much work, and so right. I'm trying to do one about every two weeks now. And right, that's kind of where I fall. Uh, and some sometimes I let it slide. Like I always try to do like the early part of the month and the end part of the month, and just kind of space it out. Uh, so I'm doing two a month because I don't, I, and you and I kind of went back and forth on Patreon when it first came out. Uh, so I have a handful of patrons and, you know, my goal when I started, it was like 20 bucks a month and that's kind of where I sit. And that was kind of on the understanding, like, Hey, I'm only really going to be doing one or two of these a month. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be dropping six of them on you. So you got to pay an extra 12 bucks this month or whatever. Um, so I've been able to kind of keep to that. And, and that's enough for me. That cost covers my cost as far as, uh, you know, file hosting and website building and all that kind of stuff. So it's worked out pretty good. And I'm, you know, looking to keep forward. It's been, it's kind of a head scratcher that, oh my God, I've been doing this for six years now. Uh, <laughs> you know, I never really anticipated I would be getting much more than a year or two out of it. Uh, but I've been able to keep it going and I'm always interested, you know, finding interesting stories and it's also a big thing with the fans. I think, uh, you know, I watched part of your uh, presentation that you gave your yacht club a little while ago, and you were talking about super fans. <laughs> well, I've got a handful of super fans too, which kind of is also a head scratcher. <laughs> but, you know, they reach out and they say, I really love this episode or I love that. One of them actually gave me a, 
an award at their yacht club down at the Ware River Yacht Club in Virginia for being a uh, kind of a steward of the Chesapeake Bay sailing and uh, things like that, which are, you know, just boggles my mind. But it's great to have those fans and actually be able to I went out sailing with one of them last summer. Uh, caught up with a few of them at the boat shows over the sailboat shows over the years. So it's just a nice way to get plugged into some kind of sailing community, you know? Well, it really is. I mean, the, uh, like, like I said, this is not something that pays the bills. I've got another right. podcast that actually does pay the bills, but not right. this one. And this one is just the passion. You're doing it for the passion. And like, like I said, in that, that episode every dog needs to be pet once in a while and, exactly <laughs> and, and our petting the the way you pet this dog is write a review in itunes and uh, it feels good to see that somebody takes the time to actually write a review or write me right, a right. letter and ask me a question that means a lot too so yeah that's why we do it that's exactly why we do it and oh yeah you know every now and then you meet you know i've got some really good friends as a result of this podcast i've got some friends down in new zealand now i got right. uh, i got jack andrews that's now sailing in the caribbean and and neil fletcher and oh yeah uh, and shout out to those guys because they're big yeah. supporters of mine too yeah i know um, jack i saw in your and your i'm a patreon of yours and i saw jack's yeah. a patreon of yours and uh and he's the one that got me into Patreon. I was supposed to get five hundred bucks free from Patreon or something like that, but it never happened. But it's, I'm oh, still, wow. I still get something, <laughs> and I'm well, uh, I'm at about seventy dollars a month on Patreon right now. That's there you go. One of the things I did for like my little reward was make up some T-shirts, and uh, Neil definitely sent me a picture of him wearing my T-shirt uh, over in uh, Sweden, I guess board Arcturus, uh, last year. So I got, I've gotten a handful of those back from around the, around the world and around the country. So well, that's it's always cool. a neat thing to get a picture back. I, you know, I, I make up a sea dream t-shirt every now and then, which is the name mm -hmm. of my boat. And, um, but you know, I usually make enough so my crew members can get one, but I've never thought of actually putting them as a, uh, as a bonus, I have to keep too damn much inventory. How do you handle, how do you handle the inventory situation with t-shirts? Right. Well, you lose money <laughs> is how you do it. <laughs> uh, basically about once a year, I'll, I'll put in an order. I use a place called, uh, it's called Ooh shirts, like zero, zero or OO shirts, uh, online. And I just keep the design and it's actually, it's a picture of my old boat. So I need to update that and get a new design. But, uh, if I'm running low on, you know, say mediums and smalls, because I get mostly extra larges, I do hand out a lot of them, but I also get rid of my mediums and smalls pretty quickly. So I'll do it like just one order of like 24 shirts, and that's usually good for the year. And then at the end of the year, uh, I just actually got an order for the spring because I owed a Patreon uh, a medium T-shirt. So I'm good for the year, and then it come October when I'm at the boat show, I'll just probably start throwing them around to uh, fans and, and supporters and stuff. Now, I've reached out to the Annapolis Boat boat Show and said, listen, you know, I'm the oldest continuously running sailing podcast out there. You've got all these other guys out there. Why aren't you inviting me? you got to tell us what you're going to talk about. So I wrote him. I said, I'm going to talk about what it's like to sail in the Mediterranean, what you need to do to prepare. I wrote right. a big, long proposal and never heard back from him. So I'm not very impressed with him so far. I, I don't 
like to poo-poo the Annapolis Sailboat Show because I think they do a really good job in a lot of ways, but one way they do not necessarily do a good job is like seminars and talking, you know, from people, media people, I guess, like us. You know, they want you to be a vendor to pay for your space to come in and, and sell your wares is what they want. Um, you know, I think their eyes might have opened slightly last this past year because uh, the folks from La Vegabond were there. The guys from Delos were hanging out with Andy Shell, and, and they had a bunch of people over there. Um, and the folks from Ruby Rose were there. Paul and Cheryl Shard from Distant Shores was there. And a lot of those... Uh, I know definitely like Paul and Cheryl and Ruby Rose were there at the behest of Discovery Yachts. So they were at the Discovery Yachts booth or whatever. Uh, but I think they're missing a, and have been missing a big component. They used to do uh, a pretty good job of putting out seminars with Cruising World. And they brought, I remember like Lynn and Larry would do a big uh, seminar and they would pack a big conference room and things like that. And uh, they just kind of got away from that over the years. And I, I don't know if that's because of Cruising World or if it's because of Annapolis Sailboat Shows or whatever. Um, and then they would do like a, a Bay-related through Chesapeake Bay magazine. They would do another series of, of like smaller events. And it was all put on at the hotel, which is right next to the boat show. And again, I don't know if it's that relationship wasn't the greatest or what happened, but they kind of really got away from that. And uh, I think it's a loss for the people that are going to the boat show. Now, the other part to that is they have a thing called Cruisers University, again, which is a great thing, but they want you to pay for it and go to the uh, the Naval Academy, which is where they hold it now. And it's like all full, you know, full week passes. Uh, I think it happens like Monday through through Friday, like between the shows, they have a powerboat show and a sailboat show different weekends. And I just know from, and I've never been to Chicago or Toronto or the wooden boat festival at Port Townsend or any of those other Southampton, like all those boat shows. I don't know what they do, but I know from watching podcasters and YouTubers going to Chicago or Toronto in the winter and they're really heavy on those kind of presentations and seminars. So I think it would be nice to kind of incorporate that back. And I think, like I said, because of some of the celebrities, I guess, that were there this year, maybe they'll uh, try and incorporate that somehow in Annapolis. But kind of the Annapolis Sailboat Show does what it wants to do to make money. And that's great because it's a great show. Uh, but there's, you know, you, you got to kind of find your way away from that to get into meeting up with uh, whether it's YouTubers or magazines or whatever, uh, podcasters, that sort of thing. So I don't know, it would be nice to have like a one-stop shop, like, hey, here's the panel of podcasters and here's a panel of YouTubers and come on in and we'll all chat, you know. Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. Now, I've never reached out to the other boat shows, but, but uh, I probably should just do that as well if I want to do it. Of course, right now, we don't know if there's going to be another boat show out this well, year with this coronavirus right. going around, or the Chinese virus, as I like to call it. So. Well, it's, uh, I know they usually do a spring sailboat show here in Annapolis. They do, uh, it's like the one in October, it's just smaller, and then they do uh, kind of a brokerage show at the bridge, the Bay Bridge show. And all that happens like right around this time, like in April. And I'm sure that's all been 
you know, that's all been canceled. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of up in the air. Who knows what's going to happen for next year? Because, you know, this virus might come raging back in October if we're not careful. So, well, I, you know, I've got, I just uh, renewed my insurance, but I don't know that it's going to do me any good this year. And I did go through uh, Blue Water Insurance because they were able to quote me uh, where I was cut off from Pantaneous. I think on my, I don't know if that's, po- yeah, that podcast came out this week where I talked to, to, uh, yeah, I didn't listen to that podcast, speech. but I did hear a lot of rumblings that Pantaneous kind of, what they do, just kind of withdraw from the recreational market? Any American, any U.S. sailor with a okay. U.S. documented boat, they cut off. They just said, we're not okay. uh, riding your insurance anymore. Huh. And, uh, so now that sucks. that's a lot of people out <laughs> scrambling around. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, well, I think this is going to, this virus uh, pandemic going on right now is putting a wrench in lots and lots and lots of sailing plans either for people who are already out there in the middle of cruising or going around the world or wherever they're at uh, or people that are planning like you for the summer for the sailing season whether it's in the med or or wherever uh, because you just don't know i mean right now borders are closed boats are scrambling around the caribbean kind of stuck in one place uh can't go to any other place uh, I just was just reading some Facebook posts today. The one boat finally made it from Antigua to the U.S. Virgin Islands because they felt safer actually being in, in the U.S. sort of. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's kind of throwing a, a monkey wrench in, in everybody's plans. Uh, whether they're in a hot spot or not, it's just nobody wants to move. Nobody wants you to be passing this thing around. Yeah, I talked to Jack, uh, Jack Andrews by Skype yeah. last week. And he's stuck in Antigua. He said, we really can't go anywhere because we don't know that, you know, all the borders are closed on all the other islands. So he said, uh, for the time right. being, they're just uh, anchored in Antigua in uh, just around the corner from English, English Harbor. What's the name of this other harbor? Falmouth Harbor is where he's at right, right. now. And uh, I said, well, let's do a podcast. He said, fine. But then <laughs> the day uh, he did the pod, we were scheduled to do a podcast. A lot of other things came up, so we didn't do it. So that's still on the uh, the bucket right. list of things to take care of in the next, well, maybe they, later on next week. We'll yeah, well, hopefully it works out because, you know, if this keeps going as predicted, it might be until June till we get any kind of relief from it or middle of May or whatever, but that's pushing right up against everybody's plans to get out of hurricane season. So yeah, you're yeah. going to have to make hard decisions as to whether to stay put or get moving. Somewhere. Yeah. For the people in the Caribbean, they've got to get the heck out of there. Their insurance isn't going to cover them anyway. So that's interesting. Right. Yeah. 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 For me, it's just, that's the beginning of my sailing season. I've, I'm scheduled to fly over in May and, uh, on United to fly into Milan. Well, nobody's flying in and out of Milan right now, so I don't know if I'll even be able to go over there. So it's it's yeah, up in the air. It's my wife's uh, family, uh, they're flying to uh, Australia, hopefully, in July. So uh, that's kind of up in the air, but that's, uh, you know, July is Australia's winter. So it, if they don't have a whole lot of virus going on now, they may have some in July that'll screw that up so i don't know we'll see see what happens but it's kind of a shame if that has to uh, be put off because that's like a once in a lifetime kind of trip so well i look at your episodes and you cover a lot of the chesapeake bay that seems to be your forte and your expertise 
and, uh, and of course the other authors that you also have on your podcast. But as a general rule, if you want to get great information on sailing in the Chesapeake Bay, your podcast is the one people need to uh, to tune into. And uh, you've also interviewed quite a few authors, and you and I have actually had some of the same people on our podcast, like Paul and Sherry Shard. I've talked to. And yeah. uh, a few others we've also... I'm jealous that you got to uh, interview the Maiden. Um... Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and in person, in, in person, Park City. In Park City at the Sundance, where they did the... Uh, that was the, the the world release of the film was at Sundance last year. Yeah. That was pretty cool. And also the, also the director of the film, too. I got them both in. And right, 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 right. Yeah, that was... That was interesting because it was kind of like, uh, you know, a happenstance, uh, you know, the director and Tracy meeting up, what, a high school type of thing. And yeah, Tracy. however that worked out, it was just kind of like, hey, yeah, I, well, I work in the movies. I can work on this documentary. Yeah, Tracy Edwards. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, what I gather f- from talking to people is she was a great organizer. She She's right. the one that put everything together and she brought great sailors in to, to, to help to help get the boat around the world. And, oh, uh, yeah, sure. And, you know, they had their, you know, they had the drama of the boat springing a leak and all, all the other stuff. But, that yeah, it was really enjoyable to actually sit down across the kitchen table because she was in her condominium down there at the bottom of Main Street. And, okay. And uh, you scheduled the interview with the publicist, and and I told her what I was doing. I also have another pod, podcast called the Film Fest Podcast. And, okay. And, uh, but, so I put this out there but the trouble is it was before it was released to the general public so that podcast was she asked me to re-release it and i never did get a chance to re-release it when they were coming out with the main release of the uh of the uh, of the film i mean the film came out to the general audience i think like four or five months after that right but, and that's kind of it's in the, the world we live in right now you can't tell because uh i actually drove to baltimore we'd made a date night of it and went down to the charles theater in baltimore and to see Maiden, and the theater would have held like 300 people. <laughs> I mean, there was 12 people in the theater for that's the screening. All? I was oh, at. that's and I'm bad. trying to, I'm trying to think like, you know, 20 years from that or 20 years ago when there wasn't streaming and all these other options, would this theater have been packed or would it still have been 20 people? <laughs> you know, that year, uh, that year, I also saw the Warren Miller. Uh, biography. They did a documentary on Warren Miller. Now, do you know who Warren Miller is? I do not. Warren Miller is a, a guy that started making movies of skiers, of these crazy, okay. crazy skiers. And he used to four what they call in the industry four wallet. So he would make these uh, movies, and he still does it to this day. His son took over the business, and wow. he does all these. You know, he, they go out and they film all these guys skiing and doing crazy things on skis and snowboards. And then they put right. together a fun, fun movie, and then they four wall it, and and uh, here in Salt Lake, they will okay, they will. Uh, it's always jam packed, jam packed, because they do a good right. job of promoting it, and they also give you like oh free ski passes if you buy a ticket to the movie, and one of the ski oh, wow. resorts is always out there saying okay, you know, sign up, go to the movie, get a free ski pass, and it's always packed. So. You know that that's how he, that's how Warren Miller 
build up his whole business was four-walling it, what they call four-walling. Instead of releasing right. it through the, the studio system or the theater system, they would go out and rent a, uh, an auditorium and do it. So d- is that what they did with Maiden? Did they actually just four-walled it with Maiden? No, I think it was it was just a limited release type of thing in, in major cities because, um, like I said, it, it I think it did well. You just can't see it because you don't know who's streaming it. Yeah. <laughs> when it finally came out to streaming, you know, because in my mind, I'm like, this would be great. Baltimore, it's in the middle of the Chesapeake Bay. There's th- tons of sailors around. There should be more people here on Earth. Yeah, you'd think right. so. <laughs> but 20, 2020 or 2019, I guess it was in the spring, wasn't it? I think it was yeah. that it came out. So, uh, you know, it's it would have been nice to have like a big crowded theater uh to see it with but it was great on the big screen i loved it and i've watched it i think two times since just on like amazon prime or whatever it's on now uh, but yeah I was, I was part of it i wanted to talk about it and there's a movie so you, you know the, the whole story of donald crowhurst um they ended up making two movies about that one was a major uh studio in england and another was an independent and they just kind of happened to come to the story at the same time and so one, uh, the independent movie was done by Simon Rumley and it's like a real indie film. And I actually got in touch with him and was able to get a screener so I could watch it and do like a little mini review, uh, versus the mercy, which finally we went up to a, we went to a small art theater here in, in New York, Pennsylvania to see it. And they only released it for one night and then it went straight to prime. So you can see The Mercy, and that's a big studio film that's Colin Firth and Rachel Weisz, and it's a good movie. Especially, I mean, if if you appreciate sailing, you're gonna love you're gonna love it. Uh, non-sailors, I don't know if they're gonna like it or not. But the Simon Rumley one, which was uh, just called Crowhurst, was real impressionistic, and you know, there's lots of different colors, palettes, and you know, he did like some real artsy type stuff with it. Not, I can't find it. I don't know that it's ever been released in the state. So I'm, when I talked about it, I'm like, I don't know if you're ever going to be able to see it. <laughs> but here's this movie called called Crowhurst. You should check it out. So uh, it's one of those deals where sailing. There's not a lot of sailing media movies like mainstream movies out there. It would be nice if we could get more stories that involve sailing. But uh, you know, here's an instance where everybody came to the same story. And of course, the major studio bought out the indie movie and kind of quashed it, you know. Yeah. Did you interview anybody associated with these films? Well, I was trying to interview Simon Rumley, and I basically he said, "Well, if it ever comes out in the states, we'll get together." <laughs> and ah. It never did, so okay. I never got a chance to interview him for it. Well, send him my send me his contact information because a lot of probably the second largest audience I have is. Uh, Brit Britain, you know, the Brits. Okay. Yeah, so he might be interested because I have a lot of British listeners to my podcast. Yeah, I think I just got I reached out to him on Twitter, just kind of tagged him on a, in a Twitter post and he uh, was able to DM me back, so. Oh, okay. I don't do Twitter and I don't do Facebook. I need to hide. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to I'm going to put a a, a a shout out to anybody listening to this podcast. That wants to uh, be the uh, administrator of my my uh, sailing in the Mediterranean Twitter feed and my, uh, uh, my Facebook go. feed. I have a Facebook account, but I just never do anything with it because I don't really know what to do with it. And I know right, some right, people right. live on Facebook, but that's not me. 
And I know Instagram's a right. big thing too. I don't have any Instagram. So anybody out there that wants to be the administrator of this for me, I'd love to have there your you help. Go. There we go. And I'm not greatest at it either. I'm uh, like Instagram baffles me. I don't take a lot of pictures. So that's, I guess, my first problem. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do Twitter and, and Facebook kind of regularly. Um, but I don't know, you know, I, I, every time I put out an episode, I put out a, a tweet, you know, and one or two people will share it. So I don't know what the big value is on well, it. But, you're the big one that shares uh, mine. You're always sharing mine. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I started a Facebook group uh, called Sailing Podcast Enthusiasts because somebody started one called YouTube Sailing Channel Enthusiasts. So I'm like, well, if we're going to have a YouTube enthusiast page, we might as well have a podcast one. Yeah. <laughs> so I try and whatever episodes kind of come my way, you know, I try and retweet or re-Facebook them out, I guess. And uh, try and keep that page. And the intent, though, was to start the page and have other people kind of get in into the mix. And there's like maybe two or three people that will post other stuff. But, uh, you know, the sailing podcast world is kind of constrained, I guess. So, yeah, there's a handful of us out there doing it. Yeah, there's a lot more YouTubers out there doing sailing YouTube videos, it seems like. Oh, my God, I can't keep up. No, neither can I. You know, and I'm, I'm, like I say, I'm an audio person. I like to be able to go on a walk and listen to a story or go on a walk right, or right, listen to right, a right. podcast. I don't want to be stuck in my computer because my whole damn day is stuck behind a computer. The last thing I want to do is go home and sit down and stare at a computer right. and watch a YouTube video. So that's why I'm an <laughs> audio person. So Right. No, I hear you. There's, I forget, somebody did a count last summer and it was like 1,300 sailing channels. Yeah, on YouTube, and it's like I have a hard time just keeping up with the half a dozen or so that I actually keep up with. And I do, I get people say, "Hey, you should interview so and so," and I'm and I try to 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 find them. And then, like you were saying about uh, the Samsung or whatever, yeah, I definitely want to check that out. I just got to write it down and put it in my feed so that I get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I lose the feed, then I forget about it. All over, yeah. So I'm I'm looking I'm zoomed in on the Chesapeake Bay right now, and I I remember right. the last time we did this, you you told me where your boat was was. So I'm in the north, very north of Chesapeake Bay, north of Annapolis. Isn't your boat in that area somewhere? So if you uh, if you you look at a thing, uh, there's like three fingers sticking up the very top of the bay. Yep. Yep. Right. The very top or to the, uh, to the, the northeast? Left one should be the Susquehanna River. Okay. Now I see Dudalk, Rosedale, Perry Dud Hall, Dunk. Baltimore. So all the way up. Oh, farther all up. up. All the way up. Okay. All the way up. Okay. So Port Deposit, Have de Grace, okay. Charlestown. If, yep. So Charlestown, mm -hmm. if you look directly across that little river from Charlestown, there's a thing sticking up. It looks like a, a half-crooked finger. It's called Hans Point. Okay, hold on here. Okay, yep, uh-huh. There's a place called Bay Boatworks in there. Okay, I'm zooming in farther. And uh, I see a couple little marinas down there. Okay, so okay. I see, yeah. So you see that little cove, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, so just on the north side of that cove, is uh, Hans's Point Yacht Club, which is where I uh, keep my boat. Okay. So there's a little. Okay, am I in the wrong? I see a Shelter Cove Yacht Basin. Is that the wrong one? Is do I need to go farther north? It's just 
Yeah, it's just up from that, literally on that kind of spit of land right above that. There's a couple finger piers sticking out. Okay. And uh, okay. There's like a boat yard. You can see boat boats up on the hard. Oh yeah. Okay. There we go. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's it right there. And then so we have a big shed that we use for maintenance on boats and, and the grounds. There's a clubhouse, uh, which used to be the bowling alley of the estate that this all used to belong to back in the day. And we have uh, two docks that go out. One of them's old and needs to be torn down. The other one's brand new, like cement floating piers. And then we have a mooring field for about 120 boats there. Okay, okay. And so that's where my boat uh, lives. I've been... Uh, I've upgraded from my boat that I had last time we spoke. I had a Pace Ship 26 at that time. Now I have an O'Day 302, which is named Lissadell. Now, what's the name of the yacht club again? Hanses Point, H-A-N-C-E-S. Okay. Point Yacht Club. Oh, there, I, there we go. Finally, I found it. Okay, there we go. There you go. Yeah. So if you is look there- at a chart... That whole area is light blue because at mean low tide, I guess, they figure it's less than six feet deep, which it's really not. It's closer to about eight foot deep all the way through there. Um, so some people get scared. They don't want to go up the river because there's like a just a short channel going up through uh, the river there until you get up kind of where we are, and then it shallows out to the north. Um, but it's probably mean like i said about eight foot deep all the way through there um until you get down further south towards where it opens up mm-hmm. and that big wide open area there uh, is called the susquehanna flats and so that spoil that comes down the river from the susquehanna river and deposits there and so some of that at low tide is actually exposed land so that kind of middle part you really don't want to go to but if you look at a chart there's a channel that comes out from having to grace kind of following that south uh, portion of that big wide open area and then you get into um elk neck state park which is like this goes all the way down and so anywhere south of that is considered i guess bay and uh so there's that's all wide open the only different the only thing that's in your way there is aberdeen proving ground which is a military installation so that kind of western shore as you go down the bay towards uh, Pools Island is kind of off limits. Okay. okay. Uh, go to a certain degree over there, but you want to, you know, about 150 yards offshore, they have buoys that say keep out type of thing. But you're wide open from there. You can either go up the Elk River and sail into the Bohemia or up to the C&D Canal, which heads over to Delaware Bay, or you can continue down into the Sassafras River, which is just south of that wide open area and that is a nice sail if you get the right wind and you go all the way into georgetown that's like a seven mile sail and i call it the dog legs it's like a golf course almost because <laughs> you got to follow the channel markers and if you get a south any anything with like a south southern component and wind you can do that uh, sail no problem so and i guess it's ga- just interesting so i gather there's a lot of places you can drop the hook and spend the night is that correct? Yeah, there's a couple places just right in the Northeast River there that uh, we'll do for like an afternoon. 
depending on wind and protection, uh, there's a spot kind of south of that Elk Neck State Park uh, with some nice beach um, that will anchor overnight. It just gets a little rolly if you get a, like a southwest wind because there's a little bit of fetch there. But there's a lot of nooks and crannies. So, yeah, you can go up into the Bohemia River. Uh, you can go into this place called Cabin John Creek, which is just south of there. And uh, this is all right off the Elk River. And as you head down, um, right in the Sassafras River, there's a place called Lloyd's Creek. And it's a big open cove, which you can't get into with a sailboat because it's too shallow. But you can anchor off the, the north side of there. And there's really nice beaches there. And, you know, when I teach, <laughs> you know, there might be some some flotsam and jetsam uh kind of sticking up on the, on the shore, but you can clear off a nice space and have like a fire. Nobody owns it. Nobody's going to come in and kick you off at midnight if you're howling at the moon. <laughs> so, so what sort of tides do you have in that area then? Um, generally speaking, they're pretty like less than two feet. Oh, really? Okay. All right. Uh, it just depends where you're at um, and uh, what the new lunar cycle is really. Um, at our club, we used to have to worry about tides a lot more uh, for launching and retrieving boats because it was only so shallow, you know, and if you didn't have uh, like a three foot high tide, you might have trouble getting like a five and a half foot draft boat out. Uh, but we've since then, probably I think three years ago, we went in and had somebody dredge it out when we put those new docks in. So there's like a big hole there. <laughs> so as long as you can get over the hump that's, you know, 50 yards out and you should be able to do that at any kind of slack tide, uh, or above, once you get in that hole, uh, you're good for, a, we basically six foot draft is about our max. If you have anything that drafts more than six foot, you probably don't want to be, uh, sailing around that part of the, the river or trying to get it in and out of that, uh, launch ramp. So if I'm looking at the right yacht club, it looks like there's a lot of power boats in there too. Uh, one? let's see. Ours is mostly sail, but as you go down, so there's, uh, north of us, there's the Northeast River Yacht Club. They have a... Okay, so couple... I'm, lo I'm looking at McDaniel Yacht Basin. Right. Is that north of yeah. you or south of you? That's north of me. Okay. Uh, McDaniel is definitely a powerboat haven. Okay. <laughs> and the thing is, uh, so McDaniel and then further south is... The Northeast uh, River Jackson. Okay, now I'm looking here. The Northeast River Yacht Club. This is just from right. the, the picture. So we'll run down. You start at North at McDaniel, right? Mm -hmm. At north of McDaniel, at the very very tippy top is a thing called Anchor Marina. Mm -hmm. So that's the very top. There's like a big community park there, and there's a restaurant called the Naughty Goose. So that's uh, mostly power boats. They have one of those big sheds with the three, four-story racks. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? So that's where a lot of the, what I call, bass holes uh, launch in and out of the, the bay. <laughs> so they're the guys that 5.30 in the morning go zooming past you at top speed to get wherever they're going to go fish. And then about six hours later, they all come zooming back at top speed to get back to uh, the uh, the launch ramp. And they zoo, they go as fast as possible from spot to spot to fish. But as soon as they get to where they want to fish, then they put their little trolling motors on and quietly skulk around. 
but you will get woken up on Saturday morning at 5.30 in the morning from these guys going by. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> but there is a community ramp up there. If you have, like, uh, um, kayaks and things like that, you can put them in up there. But And you can get up there with – there's a channel that you can get up there by sailboat if you feel like uh, you want to stop at that community park for the night or, uh, God forbid, go to the Naughty Goose, which – <laughs> we're not big fans of um so anyway from there then you're back at mcdaniel that's a big uh, power boats mostly uh south of there is the northeast river yacht club that's kind of our club grew out of that club back okay. in the 50s okay and so that's mostly sail they do have some sailboats they have a couple moorings out there too what's interesting is that little cut underneath there mm -hmm. there's an old we call it Pearl Harbor, but I forget what it was called initially. There was a marina in there, and you can kind of see a falling down uh, shed of you know that's rather large. So that whole thing has been abandoned for as long as I've been down there, so 15, 20 years probably. Hmm. So at one time, that was a bustling marina, and it's been sitting just abandoned for Basically, I think what happened is somebody bought the property thinking they were going to put uh, condos and things in there, and the community never put the sewage line in that far south on that point, and I guess aren't going to, and so therefore the property just sits, and it's kind of a shame, actually, because it would be a very another vibrant place if somebody were to redevelop that as a marina again. Yeah, yeah, it looks like a good piece of open property there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's just it's just fallen down. There's seawalls and everything there, but they're just not taken care of, you know. Looks, looks so then you get down to where looks like looks just to the east of that is a huge house. A big house just yeah, yeah. bordering up on that property. Yeah. And that's uh there's a lot of big houses and big properties right there in that kind of northern section. There's um some of them are, you know, Sotheby's listings in uh expensive real estate magazines and the ones on the other side of the street, maybe not so much. Yeah. Yeah. You can see that <laughs> the other side of the street. Oh, just little old houses here. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. So yeah, you get down to where we are. Uh, we're kind of the only thing on that one point. Uh, we, like I said, we have about 120 moorings, but then there's that shelter bay that you were looking at. Mm -hmm. uh, there's actually two uh, marinas in there. One is called Bay Boat Works and one uh, is called Shelter Cove Yacht Basin now. Basically, Shelter Cove and McDaniel, the big powerboat one upriver, mm -hmm. both got bought by Galahad, which I guess is like a marina conglomerate. Um, so they're both owned by the same people and basically got redeveloped. And that's mostly power in there as well. What do you pay? Uh, what, do you, what do you pay for your slip on a yearly basis or a monthly basis? So we're a private club and, you know, they basically have like a, you have a membership fee and you have uh, like a maintenance fee. You can work off kind of that. I think it's like 35 hours a year if you mow the grass or you help put moorings in or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, so it ends up being roughly, I have a 30 foot boat now, so it's roughly about a thousand bucks a year. Okay. It can, can be more. And it can be less depending on how many hours you work and how big your boat. Like I said, our, we kind of cap our, I think the largest boat in our fleet comes right in at around 38 feet. Okay. Uh, there's a bunch of 35s and then a bunch of, you know, everything in between down to 
down to 20 foot day sailors. Um, but yeah, roughly, I, I always said it was 800 and they kind of boosted things up a little bit when we put those new docks in, we had an extra fee added to help pay for them. Um, but it's about the cheapest you can get. Um, when I joined, it was, there was no like initiation fees or anything like that, but they've since instituted that, uh, maybe seven, eight years ago, they were getting a lot of people that joined in quotes <laughs> and then either never paid their bill or just never showed up again. And you're like, you know, how do we kind of keep that from happening? And it's like, well, we don't want to charge extra money, but if we charge whatever it is, two or $300 for an initiation fee, it'll keep the non-serious people out and it'll keep the serious people, the people that are really truly in, in uh, interested in coming in and being a part of the club. So it's not necessarily, um, like we're not trying to keep people out necessarily, but we just want to make sure that if you're going to come in, you're going to be a part of the community. You're actually going to have your boat there and sail it. And, and it's not, we don't say you have to have a sailboat. There are some power boaters in the club, but it's 95% sailors. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like that from the, what I'm looking at here. So now where do you live? I live in York, Pennsylvania, which is, uh, up and to the left. <laughs> okay. And how long does it take you to, how long does it take you to get to your boat? Uh, it takes me about an hour and 40 minutes Okay, uh, so quite a while. because then, huh? I used to, yeah, I used to live in Lancaster, uh, which is a little more directly North from there. And it's on the other side of the Susquehanna river. So that's kind of the operating, uh, key in this whole mess is I got to get across the river at some point. And there's really only three places to do that. It's either, uh, go from York to Lancaster and then head South. Uh, there is kind of an in-between bridge halfway down, but it's a lot of country roads to get there. And what I end up doing is I take a little bit of interstate and a little bit of back roads, and I get down to Haver de Grace, which is in Maryland. And uh, that's where I cross the river and uh, go up to northeast, which is just over from there. So it's about 40 minutes longer than it used to be when I used to live in Lancaster years ago. But uh, it is what it is. <laughs> You're paid more, I assume, right? Yeah, it's just uh, where where can you afford to buy a house in relation to to both of our jobs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, if I had my druthers, I'd live ten minutes from the boat and an hour and a half from work. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does kind of play into it though, because I remember when we talked last time, I was enamored of the fact that when you go uh, to the Mediterranean you have your first, basically, I guess, two weeks is work weeks to get the boat ready, right? Well, it's about a week to t put it in and about a week. Yeah, not quite a week, probably about. It takes, it depends on the projects that I have to do, you know. I mean, I do all the right. maintenance on my boat myself that I can. And that you can, uh, right. For, but at the bare minimum, it's going to take probably three, maybe four days to put the boat in the water. Right. Uh, you know, I've done it sooner and faster than that, and also three or four days to take it out of the water. But if I've got maintenance to do, then, you know, it can go up to a week. Just depends. You know, if I've got to paint the bottom of the boat, which I need to do this year, you know, right. that takes a couple days to do or maybe three days to do. And uh, it's, you know, but there's a lot of work. And then I'm there for two months and just say that right. for two months. But what's nice about that is you're there four like those four to seven days straight and you have crew to help you yeah my abuse <laughs> my crew is, right <laughs> yeah, yeah what my problem is when i have maintenance projects uh 
you know, I'm an hour and a half away and I might get lucky to have a weekend that I can spend a night or two kind of string together two or three days. Uh, but that's it. You know, I'm, a lot of times I'm getting up at six in the morning on a Tuesday, <laughs> driving the hour and a half, two hours down there, doing eight hours worth of work and then turning around and coming home at the end of the night and then going back to work the next day. Yeah, that doesn't sound fun to me. That just doesn't sound no, fun. No, especially when it comes to prepping and painting and, and that sort of thing, where it's just like, all right, it's going to take me two hours just to do this, then I get to do the thing, and then i got to wait another two hours to do it. And it's like, by the end of the day, you feel like you haven't really accomplished a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the downside of it, I guess. So if the boat was 10 minutes away, that'd be great. You know, I'd have an extra three, four hours a day to, to do whatever. Right. Even for nighttime racing, like I used to do races on, they do, you know, some sometimes it's Wednesday nights, sometimes it's Thursday nights. But like the Northeast River Yacht Club there, they do a summer series of cruising boats, you know, doing beer can races. And uh, I did that many years, like three, four years in a row, um, and lately I just haven't really been able to do it just based on my work schedule and the days I have off. And, you know, maybe I get one Thursday a month where I'm able to drive down there and, and do it and still get back at, you know, 11 30, 12 o'clock at night. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a long drive for a beer can race. <laughs> it it really is. would be. Yes. It is. But, um, it's great, uh, being, it's, I like the sailing area where we're at because it, I mean, it gets busy on the weekends and holidays, but generally speaking, you're out there sailing around with maybe two, three other boats. It doesn't get too crowded up in our neck of the woods. The downside is if you want to go cruising and get down the bay, you know, basically you need a week or two off because you're going to spend the first two days just getting like to the Annapolis area. <laughs> and then if you want to go further, uh, you know, it's, you go from there and then you got to work in the four days to get back. So, uh, this new boat that I've got, I got two years ago. It was actually a free boat, uh, free in quotes. A friend of mine had it. He had only really had it for two seasons back in like 2010, 2011. And, uh, he got it just because his boat got damaged in the mooring field and he got a decent insurance check from it. And, ended up splurging to get this O'Day 302, which was up at the Northeast River Yacht Club. And I guess a couple older guys had it, and they would just basically race it on those beer can races and on the weekends, sail around. Um, so he ended up having to move in 2012, I guess it was, and left this boat, and it basically sat ever since. And he had moved back to the area a couple years ago, but just wasn't that close, I guess, and just never really did anything with it. And he was the kind of sailor that, unlike you and I, that do all of, all of our maintenance projects, <laughs> he would hire other people to do that stuff because all he wanted to do was sail, which is fine. If you can do that and get away with it, that's great. Uh, but he didn't know anything about it. You know what I mean? He was like, oh, I hired this guy to do this. I hired somebody to do that. It was winterized in 2012, so it should all be good, right? And I'm like, eh, mm -hmm. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so he was kind of talking to me, trying to get me to buy this boat. And uh, I finally was like, no, sorry, you know, I'm going to save my couple thousand dollars that I saved up and wait for a better opportunity. And then, of course, he drops on me because this was Thanksgiving of 2017. He's like, so uh, what if I just gave it to you for a Thanksgiving present? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Ugh, 
now I got to, you know, like I'm talking to a couple of my friends and I'm like, what should I do? You know, cause it has the right motor. It has the Anmar in it. You know, it had a decent setup the way I like it in the interior. It's got kind of the aft cabin. It's not real big, but you can get a friend or a couple in a separate cabin as opposed to having them laying around in the, in the uh, main salon area. Um, I mean, it's an O'Day. I kind of poo-pooed O'Days for a while because they're kind of thinly produced production boats from the 80s. Uh, you know, the first thing that you find when you Google O'Day 302 is that the keels fall off. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because it's a crappy design, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's I basically said, yes, I'll take it, and then proceeded to spend about ten twelve thousand dollars in the last two years to get it <laughs> squared away like I, I got it put together to sail it the first season but it was like way late in september when i finally got to sail it i had to do get a bunch of rigging work done uh you know just kind of just stupid things that he didn't do right that things were broken that nobody ever fixed kind of thing and then just because it sat like a lot of the running rigging was in was in tatters i this year i just now the motor's out completely out i have a friend that's redoing it for me basically stripping it down checking everything cleaning everything checking tolerances and whatever needs replaced he's replacing whatever he thinks is fine we're putting back on and so i'm spending like 1500 dollars on that um, i got a new jib sale because the jib sale that was on it was junk the main sales original it's 30 years old but it's functional for now i'll deal with that in a year or two um, but I'm looking forward, you know, hopefully, uh, this summer getting it put all back together and be good for a while and be able to go cruising more. We went, did a couple trips last summer. You know, I, I had gotten the motor together enough that it was reliable to some degree and was running. It ran good. It just, you could tell it needed work. Um, so we did some four day cruises last summer, uh, Memorial day, and then later in September. So we did get to cruise around on it. And I think it's going to be a great bay boat. I just need to get it put back together now and, and be done. And a friend of mine uh, who I sail with who runs a charter business out of Bay Boatworks, he got a boat a couple of years ago. And he's like, you know what? It takes you three years to get the boat till it's yours. <laughs> and that's kind of what's how it's working out. You know, after this is all put back together now, I think it'll be my boat and I'll be comfortable with it and know all of its quirks and be able to sail it now. It's not as fast as my old boat because <laughs> I sold my old boat to a friend of mine who is a very novice green sailor and he was kicking my butt all over the place in September last year under sail. So <laughs> that's not fun, but you know, I'll live with that for now. Yeah. So I'm looking at the engine. That looks like a two cylinder engine. Is that right? Yeah. It's a two GM 20 F. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All so right. it's got the, uh, uh, the antifreeze uh, to cool it down, and it's 18 horsepower, I believe. Yeah, yeah, it's a good engine. But I mean, yeah, and that's part of the decision making. Is like, okay, I'm going to take on this free boat, and I don't know what's wrong with it, but it's got the right stuff. You know, it's got the right motor on it. It's got the the right auto helm. It's got the, you know, it, it's got a hot water heater. For Christ's sake, I can take hot water showers. Uh, you know, it's got all that stuff. So uh, that was part of it. It's like, okay, even at the worst, I get this free boat. 
if I need to, I can part it out and make three grand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could sell the engine alone. Yeah, you could make money on right. selling the engine. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. All right, Jeff. We've so been going. This, we've been going about an hour. Just, go ahead, Jeff. Go ahead. I was just going to say that you know, once I get this put together, this will be my boat for until I well, I'm turning 49 this year, at least till pre-retirement anyway. You know, 10 years bouncing around the bay, maybe get out from the bay a little bit further. You know, I've talked about going up maybe towards New York in stages, you know, a week here, a week there, get it there, sail around and then sail it back uh, or south down to uh, North Carolina. That's kind of thing. That's kind of my scope for this boat for the next, say, 10 years. So that's that's kind of my plan. All right. So give a quick uh, shout out to your podcast. Tell people about what your podcast is all about. It's and uh, how they can get a hold of you. And then we will finish up the interview. Sure, sure. So it's the Shooting the Breeze Sailing Podcast. Uh, you can get it uh, under that name and uh, Apple Podcasts or through your uh, your podcast aggregators and RSS feeds. Uh, the website that it lives on is called theescapepods.com. So that's www.theescapepods.com. Uh, through that moniker, the Escape Pods, you can find me at Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, all your social medias. Uh, my YouTube channel is just under my regular name, Jeffrey Wettig. It's W-E-T-T-I-G. And I did like a 10-part video series of the refit of this boat. Now, I don't know that it shows you much in detail of what I was actually doing. It's more of me just talking about what I'm doing. Uh, but there is some more maintenance type videos uh, from my old boat where I redid the keel and stuff like that. There is some sailing videos on there. And as you mentioned, lots of band videos and music and, and such. Uh, so the podcast, the sailing podcast is mostly Chesapeake Bay related, or at least even if I'm interviewing somebody uh, like on a national scene or an author or something like that, I'll try and re relate it back to the Chesapeake Bay if I can. Uh, but I'm a big, uh, I'm an underdog kind of guy. So in any sporting event, I'm always rooting for the underdog. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of interest in the $10 million uh, racing boats or uh, I'm a local guy. So like Andy Shell, you know, he does the adventure cruising. They go out into the ocean and they go to the Arctic and they do all that fun stuff. And I would love to be a part of that someday. But for now, I'm sailing the Chesapeake Bay. <laughs> so I try and incorporate uh, local sailing, local racing, uh, even people I've heard a lot, you know, there's a million lakes out in the middle of the country that nobody ever talks about that have big uh, cruising and racing sailing scenes. And so I've talked to a few of those people. And uh, so that's kind of where I'm always interested in hearing people's stories uh, that aren't, you know, I always said, you know, when they gave me this award at the Ware River Yacht Club down in Virginia, <laughs> part of the reason they gave me the award is because I'm going to come and I'm going to talk to them. I, I don't know that anybody else is really going to do that. <laughs> so that's kind of my niche. It's fill that void, uh, the little guy out sailing, having a good time and enjoying uh, nature through sailing. So that's kind of where I'm at. Jeff, it's been great catching up with you. Thanks for coming on. Hey, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks for the invite. And, uh, uh, I'm a I'm a hardened fan of of sailing in the Mediterranean and beyond. So uh, keep keep doing what you're doing too. All right, you take care. Yep, thank you. All right.
Life is short. In the end, all that really matters is the memories you make. So make a few. Go sailing. Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the f What the f gives you freedom? Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future. If you can't say it, you can't do it.